Now, coming up is uh, rather an auspicious moment. It will be the 50th anniversary of the visit of Gough Whitlam to Beijing. He went there in October 1973, and our Prime Minister, Albanese, will be going to China to kind of celebrate that. But I've got here in the studio with me someone who was on that trip, Roger Freeney. Nice to have you here, Roger. Lovely to be with you. Thank you for having me. Now... Just as a background, uh, when Whitlam was in opposition, he announced that he would recognise China. He did indeed. 1971. And when he came to power, he did that. He did. Well, in fact, he visited China in um, November 1971 as then leader of the opposition. And that was quite a brave move for him to do because socialist countries, communist regimes were very badly regarded by conservatives and uh, was not really still part of the reds under the bed mentality. So it was a very brave political move for for then leader of the opposition Whitlam to take the initiative to travel to Beijing. It was a time when China was coming out of a mad period too, wasn't it, with the Red Guards and incredible social upheaval. Absolutely. Yes, it wasn't so terribly long after the Long March. Uh, Chairman Mao Zedong was still alive and uh, Gough had the privilege and the pleasure of meeting Chairman Mao Zedong during his 1973 visit to uh, Beijing. So he was elected Prime Minister at 72, recognised the People's Republic of China, which also entailed recognising that Taiwan was part of the Chinese mainland, so to speak, that part of China. And then in 1973, October 1973, as Prime Minister, he visited China. Quite right. And you were on the plane with him. Yeah, I was very privileged indeed to be a a member of his entourage. And um, Mr Whitlam had pledged to the Chinese people in 1971 that he would return to Beijing as Prime Minister of Australia. And so this was a historic and triumphant visit by Prime Minister then Whitlam and he took uh, with him two Ministers of the Crown, the then Treasurer who was Frank Crean and I happened to be Mr Crean's Private Secretary on secondment from the Treasury Department and the other Minister that he took with him was um, Mr Rex Patterson who was the Minister for Northern Development and development generally and agriculture and so Mr Whitlam obviously thought that those two ministers would have some good conversations with their Chinese counterparts. So how big was the the group that went? Well there were the three ministers and then there were some officials there to advise them during the conversations and then there was quite a press retinue Uh, (laughs) because it really was a very historic moment and uh, Mr Whitlam wanted it recorded as such and there were some very senior members of the press gallery accompanying and then some wives and, like me, private secretaries to assist the ministers. So you came across from Treasury and you were, I guess, seconded to uh, Frank Crean's office. 
So you must have had a senior position in Treasury. Oh, actually, David, I was a relatively young Treasury officer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wasn't very senior at all. But um, for some reason, uh, between the Secretary of the Treasury and Treasurer Crean, I was invited to go and be his private secretary, which I did for two and a half years, uh, immediately after the Whitlam government was elected. Fascinating times. They were indeed. <laughs> I've got plenty of stories to tell about those days, David. I think there's a book in you somewhere, Roger. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, some of it's, you know, <laughs> kept behind closed doors. Yes, but uh, stay there. <laughs> stays there, yes. Because <laughs> after that I uh, was asked to stay on and um, become Dr Jim Cairns' private secretary. And so as when he became treasurer after Mr Crean. So <laughs> there was plenty of scuttlebutt um, during <laughs> Dr Cairns' times as uh, treasurer. There certainly was. <laughs> Long before Leo's time. <laughs> um, I'm talking to Roger Freeney, who uh, accompanied uh, Prime Minister Gough Whitlam to Peking, Beijing, in uh, October 1973. So we're heading for the 50th anniversary. And Roger's here in the studio just to tell us a bit about it. So, the plane took off for Beijing. What happened next? Indeed, would you like me to paint the picture? Yes. So it was a um, four-hour flight. We had been in Tokyo, and it was a four-hour flight into Beijing on a uh, chartered Qantas 707. And, uh, yes, there might have been 30 people in the... uh, in the retinue, I suppose. So when we landed, it was the most triumphant, warm, friendly welcome that you could ever imagine because on the apron of Beijing Airport, there were literally thousands of school children, all beautifully decked in their traditional costumes. They were carrying floral banners over their heads, archways they were, with real flowers, and these beautiful boys and girls were dancing Welcome to Gough Whitlam. And the apron of the airport was just covered in colour and movement and dance and excitement by the school children. So we enjoyed that. We lapped that up for quite some time. And then uh, the cavalcade of cars, and they were turned on big time, big black limos, um, made in China. And we drove quite some distance into the Beijing to the International Guest House where we were staying. And on the way, the boulevards were lined by thousands and thousands of schoolchildren, all beautifully decked out in lovely greens and pinks and purples, again with flowers in their hair and these great archways of flowers above their heads, all dancing. Might have been about six deep or something like that along these boulevards the whole way for kilometres, kilometres, all the way into the central area of Beijing. And this was the first indication of the warmth and friendship and feeling that the Beijing Premier Zhao Enlai had for uh, Gough Whitlam. Do you think Albanese will have the same welcoming? It's not for me to (laughs) (laughs) speculate about that. Probably not. But this was a very historic moment. Uh, It was a very historic moment. I mean, it was the first time that a Prime Minister um, had visited um, China to have talks with his counterpart, Premier Zhou Enlai. Uh, You know, China had been a relatively closed country. Uh, It was really not very welcome in international events Um, and so this was a monumental opening uh, for 
the Prime Minister of Australia to visit and to begin some conversations. Um, Mr Whitlam had made sure that in terms of diplomatic relations there had never been any until earlier in 1973 when he uh, arranged for the Australian Embassy to be opened in Beijing and we had our first ambassador Stephen Fitzgerald was appointed into um, Beijing and so we established formal relations uh, on a diplomatic scale and then with this prime ministerial visit it was just something magnificent. Was he the first Western leader to recognise the People's Republic? Or? Yes, indeed he was. he was. He was the first. We were the first country and the first country to have formal diplomatic relationships. And, uh, you know, those diplomatic ties and the dialogue delivered huge dividends to Australia, well, and to China as well. And, um, and, and so it was a wonderful uh, relationship that was developed from that visit the uh, uh, Nixon administration in Washington would have been watching very carefully. They were indeed. Yes. <laughs> and as it turned out, Henry Kissinger visited um, Beijing almost at the same time that the Prime Minister was there. But um, because he was on a pathfinding mission for President Nixon to visit China. So Kissinger was trying to lay the groundwork for uh, President Nixon to visit but, um, you know, in fact, Whitlam was the first. Yeah. And, in fact, the, the Americans' move in this direction undercut the Liberal Party here, who were dead set against it, weren't they? <laughs> well, Mr Whitlam copped a huge amount of criticism politically and in federal parliament for this visit. Um, it was Prime Minister Billy McMahon at the time, and they were chiding and poking fun at Whitlam for doing this. But as it turned out, Whitlam was a world leader and the United States followed him. Yeah. So when you were there, he would have had meetings with, you mentioned uh, Mao Zedong and also with Zhou Enlai, and there would have been big banquets, I guess. Absolutely. Yes, they certainly rolled out the red carpet in many, many ways. The visit was six days, and so there were um, meetings and discussions every day between uh, Prime Minister Whitlam and Premier Zhou Enlai and between um, Treasurer Frank Crean and Minister Rex Patterson and their counterparts. So there were conversations going on in many different contexts in different ways in Beijing. So you would have been accompanying... Uh Frank Crean. I did. I yes. accompanied Frank Crean. Did you meet Joanne Lai? Only in um, receptions. Socially. S socially. And, uh, yeah, socially. But it was quite fascinating. One thing that really engaged me was how, when we were having one of these meetings between our two ministers, Frank Crean, was sort of meant to be on a big picture canvas that we were discussing it. But Mr Crean somehow got onto the conversation of whether um, in China... Uh, they had embraced the capitalist notion of paying interest on their savings accounts and took a long, long, long time during this meeting for Mr Crean's counterparts to get round to acknowledging that, yes, they do pay <laughs> very minuscule interest on savings accounts. But it was sort of a capitalist notion which uh, Frank managed to winkle out of them. <laughs> <laughs> things, things changed after that somewhat, didn't they? They did indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, Mr Whitlam was having uh, wonderful conversations with Premier Zhao Enlai, as I said, met Chairman Mao Zedong, 
and then we had formal occasions when there were formal banquets and meeting occasions when there were formal speeches were given um, to welcome us to Beijing and replies by Mr Whitlam. What did Joe and Lai have to say? Well, he basically was incredibly warm and friendly and embracing and wanting to use this opportunity to expand China's horizons and in a very cultured and, 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 and lovely way. I actually have kept a text of his uh, speech and uh, welcoming Mr Whitlam's party into the Great Hall of the People of China. If you like, I could just read a, yeah, little, let's a, hear a, little excerpt a, a wee little e- excerpt from um, Premier Zhou Enlai's speech. So he said... China is a socialist country and our socialist system determines that we do not seek to be a superpower now or in the future. China is ready to develop relations with other countries on five principles of mutual respect for sovereignty and territorial integrity, mutual non-aggression, non-interference in each other's internal affairs, equality and mutual benefit and peaceful coexistence. We hold, he said, China holds, that all countries, big or small, rich or poor, should be equal. Especially big countries, and this is quite the interesting bit here, David, especially big countries should not bully small ones, and strong countries should not bully weak ones. History has proved time and again that whoever practices expansionism and hegemonism will topple and fall. The superpowers of our day who seek to ride roughshod over others and act as the overlords on the strength of the few atom bombs they possess will definitely end up no better. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhat different 50 years on, isn't it? Well, it is is indeed. But um, in his uh, address in reply, Gough Whitlam picked up on that. And he embraced that, needless to say, because Australia was a relatively small country at the time. We were one of the minnows, and we certainly didn't want to be overridden. But um, Mr Whitlam said, in reply to Premier Chow Enlai, it's particularly important that the role of small and medium powers should be understood and appreciated, that is, Australia included, (laughs) and that they should seize the opportunities for greater independence which the increased fluidity of the world situation presents to them. In this context, China's support for the principles of respect for the national sovereignty, independence and territorial integrity of all states can make a significant contribution to strengthening peace. So you see, there's a real rapport uh, and meeting of minds about the way that international relations should be conducted. And um, that continued for decades after that, one of goodwill, of uh, charity between the countries and respect for each other. So I thought that that exchange was um, uh, very historic and important. And we were able to pick up on that and follow it for decades. Yeah, it's times have changed now. And I think, uh, personally, there was unnecessary aggravation towards China by the Morrison government. Um, and I, I couldn't quite understand what the, the, the motives were because, yeah, China has issues and we need to confront them with those, such as the way they treat the U- Uyghurs uh, and other things. But just the same, we went out front in kind of uh, antagonising the, the Chinese and what we got out of it was, in fact, our exports being cut off. 
And if I had been a, a um, wine exporter, I'd have been really cheesed off with what, with what happened. Sort of Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And to put it very crudely, I don't know why you poke the bear with a stick in his cave. No, <laughs> I mean, right. we rely so much on goodwill and on China. Uh, goodwill towards okay. us. And so to antagonise... Our biggest it's market. The, it's the biggest market. It's absolutely contrary to um, diplomatic dialogue and understanding and... And and the Chinese people do not like t- to be poked with a stick. Nobody does. No. But them in particular, they like to be recognised. They, they have kind of historical enmity, I guess, for things that happened in the past. And they don't want yeah. to be re- have a, an upstart prime minister reminding them of that. That's the issue, I guess. Or do the bidding of the United States yes. about it. Um, I, I might just um, also just read... At the end of our visit to Beijing, there was a, uh, a magnificent farewell lunch, a huge a smorgasbord of Beijing duck. And it was the only time I've ever had a full Beijing duck um, uh, lunch. Every single little bit of the duck was served to us. And so, again, there were, there were farewell speeches. And um, in this farewell, Zhou Enlai said, I propose a toast to the ever-deepening of the friendship between the Chinese and the Australian people. And that endured for a long, long Long time time, until, you know, you start to antagonise. And what's the point? (laughs) It doesn't serve anyone any good. There's ways of doing things more kindly. So now you had six days there. Did you travel around the country? We did. Well, we travelled and saw some of the beautiful palaces, the Summer Palace and the Temple of Heaven, uh, in Beijing itself, we went to the Great Wall of China. We had a magnificent night at the ballet. The white-haired girl was performed for us—a classic Chinese ballet with beautiful flowing robes and just gorgeous uh, classic ballet dancing with an orchestra. It was in the Great Hall of the People. It was just huge, and it was just absolutely beautiful. So we, we and that was part. That was the whole. One of the reasons for being there was to understand and absorb Chinese culture and and Chinese thinking, and we were given an opportunity to do that. We actually stayed in a um, secure guest house, <laughs> and we knew pretty much that whatever we said over the telephone would, would be, be listened recorded, to, listened to, and recorded. But that was okay. And we were allocated drivers, and the drivers were obviously were state, going to security. <laughs> state security. State mm-hmm. security. Um, but, you know, we, we were treated very, very proudly, I must say, and extremely well. So it's a very happy memory for me. Yeah. Um, it's quite a moment, that. Have you ever been back? No, sadly, I haven't. I would love to go back, but I haven't. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's still time, right? <laughs> yes, there's still time. <laughs> okay. Well, look, thanks for coming in and telling us about your time there. It's, it's terrific. It's a great pleasure. hope you've enjoyed it. That's Roger Freeney, who accompanied Gough Whitlam on uh, his historic visit to China back in October 1973. And Anthony Albanese will be repeating that. I don't know how triumphant it'll be, but he'll be, he's been invited to China as the 50th anniversary. So it is a chance to mend some fences. Yes, indeed. And I hope, I'm sure that it will um, mend some fences, and I'm sure that he'll be warmly welcomed. I think it's wonderful that uh, uh, President Xi has invited Albanese to attend and 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 I think it's very good when you look at what's happening around the world in terms of the international relationships and the groupings 
it's critically important that we maintain a dialogue yeah. and friendship. Giorgio. Thanks very much, Roger.